Radio 76 proudly presents the 515 Show with your host, John Sarver. Who's at the 515 door today? All right, so now we have it all together. <laughs> See, what's happening, and it's part of the announcement that we're going to make tomorrow, but it's um, new studio, new line, new everything else coming on, and not a lot of people know about our, our brand new 0076 phone number. And that's when they call, it's like, well, we're waiting for <laughs> the old phone number to, to appear. And so that's kind of uh, what we got going on here. And, of course, what we're going to be doing is we'll be ringing um, William Thorpe, who is the NHRA Division Three director. Can't wait to talk to him, man. Um we had a great time with them last time, and we said at the end of the year, what we're going to do is we're going to call you and then come on with us, see what uh, the year was like, and kind of give us like an overview of what they saw. William, are you there? Yes, sir. How about yourself? Good. We're so glad you're here with us. Um, too bad about about those cults, but here we go. <laughs> the, the who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, a lion fan. Good. <laughs> sure, whatever, whatever it takes. Yeah, definitely a hardcore lion fan here. You're stuck in cold country, so. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Um, everything that we we talked to last year, we we saw you over at uh, PRI, and I'm telling you, and it's like we we're telling the audience just earlier, is is that you were selling like ice water in the desert. Everybody wanted to talk to William Tharp. Everybody wanted to get up there to that booth, and man, you were dealing like like a like a Las Vegas blackjack dealer. What something like that? What was going on? I, I should say we we knew what was going on in the winter time and everything that we thought was going to go on in twenty twenty two. How was your season this year? How many miles you put on the Toyota? What did you see? Um, well, I probably had, by the time I turned that one in, actually about a week or two ago, I think I had 45,000 on it and it had like two miles on it when I got it back in 2020. <laughs> so, I mean, nice. By look, anybody looking for a high mileage, uh, Toyota Sequoia, I'm sure there's one on the local lot here in the greater <laughs> Indianapolis area. So, uh, but no, it was a, it was a, uh, probably one of the best seasons thus far in 2022. Uh, there was a lot of challenges that we had to overcome. A lot of changes happened internally. Um, once, once we got done planning everything in January, we, uh, went a whole other direction with some stuff internally as far as our staffing and lineup for the year. So that pretty much put the brunt of what we did on my shoulders and my shoulders alone and along with my team. So I didn't have a huge backup of staff like I normally would. So we loaded up and did the best we could, and I, I think we probably had, like I said, the best season we've had in this North Central Division because I've been in charge since uh, late 2018. So it's a great year. Wow. Okay, so now that you drove all around, <laughs> you put on all those smiles. I mean, is this one of those years where you never saw a home? Um, yeah, I mean, we the, to finish out the season, we did, I, at least for me, I did 10 events in a row, and that started like, let's say early August mm -hmm. went all the way through and then just finished up actually the weekend before last, um, in Las Vegas. So I was out there for the sub at world finals, uh, representing the North central division and, and our folks that were out there, they qualified and brought back two more championships, by the way. 
and that wrapped up 10 in a row for me. So, yeah, there wasn't a lot of time spent at home, but home is at the racetrack for me. So I honestly can't wait to get 2023 going. Even though 22 just finished, 23 is on the, on the horizon. I want to get it started. All right, the excitement we can already hear in your voice about 2023. What we got on tap? I mean, what? I mean, here comes another drag season. We love it. Is there going to be something different that the NHRA is going to have this year? I mean, in 2023, what are we looking forward to? Well, the one thing I can talk about is the fact that we got back into Route 66 Raceway. I don't know if you heard much about mm-hmm. that. We were, we, we were able to get them to work with us on a Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series event. It was dubbed the Route 66 Revival that, unfortunately, Mother Nature washed away. <laughs> uh, Thanks, guys. But long story short, yeah, I, I swear, she, she dumped four inches of rain on a Sunday morning. The, the forecast showed, hey, light rain in the morning, no big deal, sunny in the afternoon. Then all of a sudden, you know, after an hour of torrential downpours with four inches of rain just hitting the ground all at once, it, it washed it out. But we ended up finishing that event at Bowling Green, Kentucky. That was a great, great finish to that. But going back to what's upcoming in 23, we do have the Camping World Series uh, uh, national event going into Route 66 Raceway in May. So that's probably one of the coolest things we've got going on. Uh, also kicking off the season in Gainesville. So that's going to be huge. Unlike before, they typically have gone to Pomona to kick off the season. Um, in this world that's ever-changing, uh, I kind of felt that it was best to kick things off at the Gator Nationals down at uh, Gainesville Raceway, and I think you're going to probably see one of the best 2023 seasons on the camping world side in a long time, as well as the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series across the country. You know, William, there was so much talk about Pomona. You know, mm-hmm. is, isn't, going to be, going to be gone, going to be here, and now, is it? Tell us officially, it, it, as much as you know, I mean, it's a 10-year thing contract now isn't it i mean they're going to be there for a little bit longer yeah and as far as what i know and it puts out there you guys probably hear more stories than we do what we know is we've got races to plan uh we're not planning on it going away anytime soon we've got some great partners that are now involved on a, on, a, on the next level of things um all that means to me is we can just focus on, on producing the best quality events for everybody to enjoy is, is what it comes down to to me and i think the majority of our company focuses on that as well we don't look at the complete long game uh, there's so much investment that people make to get to these events, to be a part of them on whatever level, that you can't get clouded by, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the road. You need to worry about the next season and just keep making each event that much better. So, Yeah, I mean, we're everybody was excited to see that In-N-Out, be, I guess, turned out to be a pretty major sponsor. Uh, all people, In-N-Out, okay, hey, you got the check, <laughs> you know, whatever, that sign goes over the top. You know, but yeah, and they, 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 there's been a huge relationship over the years. That's just like part of the call, car culture out there on the West Coast, especially. So to have them involved with us on that level just means a whole lot to the sport, and I think to the business and what uh, respect that we got for both sides of that. You know, the the family that was involved with In and Out Burger, they're big time racers as well. I mean, there's just a complete union of everything across the board. So it's a, it's a great partnership. I mean, William, are they in and out? Do they sponsor more stuff with NHRA, or is this their first toe in the water with you guys? How's that working? They've done, if I remember correctly, pre, I would say maybe before my time of actually being a part of the NHRA, I, I remember as a kid seeing the In-N-Out Burger sponsorship on cars or uh, different small small level events that they were involved with. But I think this is their first dip into something on this level, which shows a huge commitment into what we're doing, uh, what the future of NHRA Camping World Series events are, and what the NHRA as a whole uh, on that level of things. You know, well, you know, with with Camping World, I, I know we keep going back to that, but how long are they with the NHRA? I mean, they're coming, they're pretty long-term too, aren't they? 
Yeah, it's another one of those ones that I think the relationship just continues to grow and it fosters more growth for both sides. That I don't think we need to worry about where any of that is. I think we need to focus on our customers, need to focus on, on great events, uh, supporting all the companies that support other companies that make all this possible. So having partners like that on that level, I know from my end, it's great to know that we've got long-term people to work with us on things. So it takes that burden off of it so we can focus, you know, it goes back to having those great events. Yeah, it's kind of like having you know, looking into your uh, bank account and going, ah, good, that money's still there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that helps, but I think the partnership and, and the belief in that we're all trying to accomplish the same goal at the end of the day, I think that's the real benefit that you can't measure with a bank account. And the, the people that you connect with, the lives that you change, the goods you bring to the world, we all know the world's a crazy place right now. Of all things that are going on, doesn't matter where you're at. You want to go somewhere and escape that to a, a certain point and coming to an NHRA event, whether it's a local local track or a Summit ET series, whether it's a Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series event or going to the Camping World Series events. As long as we provide that outlet for folks to kind of get away from everything and enjoy being around folks that think the same way, that like the same things, I mean, that's what it's all about. That That's the true reward at the end of the day. See, what I think what everybody on this side is looking at is that, and even the racers, too, that there's stability with the NHRA right now. And other places, things are, are kind of shifting sands to be polite, you know. And so the NHRA, knowing that they got, you know, Camping World, knowing that they're, that's a stable platform, I guess you want to call it, that it's like, cool, NHRA isn't going to go anywhere. It looks like everything is all the... T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted. Great. Let's get involved with those guys. And yes, you're right. It's all about putting on the show for the fans. I mean, you would think that this year, with so many kids, so many people just want to get out of the house, you know, after these last couple of years. I mean, take a look at some of those NHRA events that just went through the roof this year. Yeah, I mean, the U.S. Nationals is one that stands out to me. I mean, I had a bird's eye view for that one. Uh, but our event at uh, the Worldwide Technology Raceway in St. Louis, that event was basically a sellout. We've had actual true sellouts. So to be able to say in this market, in this day and age, where you hear about stadiums and different venues taking seats out, we're like, man, you all might want to think about putting a few more seats in at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's definitely it's beneficial to hear. But I think that's what makes the NHRA sport or, or culture, lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, so appealing is that anybody can do it on any level. You can take your wife's minivan, you can take your daily driver, you can go full-blown professionally racing. There's a track that you can go com compete and be a part of on a regular basis. I don't think there's very very many forms of motorsports that you can legitimately do that. As they'll say at the events, go you, know, you can't go play baseball at Yankee Stadium. It just doesn't happen. So with what NHRA provides to its customers and its, its fans is that outlet and that opportunity to do that across the board. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you can take your minivan to the Indianapolis 500 to the Brickyard. <laughs> no, not at all. And that's, that's a prime example of it. And nothing against those other forms of motor racing. That's why I think drag racing will always have an appeal to everybody is because anybody can be a part of it. It can be a junior dragster. It can be uh, everything you can imagine from junior street where you're still racing a full-size vehicle, but you're a teenager. There's so much that we have to offer just on the NHRA side. And then look at drag racing as a whole. If you're not into what we do on the NHRA side, there might be other other disciplines you like with the drag racing, whether there's the other stuff that happens that, that, that folks like to be involved with. That's great because you know what? Chances are you're still going to be at an NHRA sanctioned facility at some point. You're going to see the NHRA. You're going to want to be a part of it. And you're going to wonder what it's all about. 
Yeah, and, and just see everything that's on TV. And of course, we know that you know we would love to have a three-day TV NHRA national. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I tip my hat to the to the folks that produce NHRA uh, shows for Fox and stuff because, man, it's like one right after the other, one right after the other, and thank you very much. And it's like, that's exciting. <laughs> well, and, and the cool thing for me is, like, generally, like, those national events, like we call them the Camping World Series events, I'm literally sitting right next to the main guy that's making the calls down to the TV trailer that's putting things together. So there's a lot of things that are happening and there's a ton of talent behind all of that that I don't think anyone will ever see. And big tip of the cap goes to all those folks because they're on the road doing the same things. They're there way ahead of time, setting things up. They're probably the last folks out of there pulling cables and doing different things of that nature. So again, it goes back to what we do and, and the, the feats that they pull off and what we, we, the challenges that are like, Hey, we've got to get these cars down track in the next five minutes or we lose our live TV window. I mean, stuff like that legitimately happens. And the fact that we all recognize our goal is for our customers, whether it's there in the stands or watching at home, to pull that off and work as a team, that's the true reward. I mean, bank account, great, but knowing that you were able to pull off some of the, some of the most special moments for folks and actually be able to, to deliver that, that means a lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess everything goes back to, well, first of all, we should ask, why are you sitting next to the director? Who, as far as me? Well, you've got... You've got somebody on headset up and race control, so they're communicating to the folks in the truck that are at working with the folks with the cameras. <clears throat> so it's kind of a multi-tier process, but they go to have, you know, different folks that are saying, hey, I uh, need to hold for a TV spot, or I got this going on. Ah. So different things that are happening, kind of kind of looking behind the curtain at Oz is what, is what I'm kind of getting to on that one. But the, the folks that, that see that stuff and the information we give them and trying to keep everyone informed, you know, we have a window that we want to be within. And I think we do a really great job with a sport that is so volatile. When you put nitromethane in the tank on something, it, it's like playing with dynamite. And the fact that we can you know, work these events, pull them off, produce a great TV program, it's just it, it hats off to those guys at Fox and the team within the NHRA that puts all that together because there are a lot of unsung heroes that will never see the light of day but are very proud and very great, very, uh, very talented in what they do. You know, it's kind of interesting with Fox doing – you know, primarily, it looks like they're doing the big three uh, of Top Fuel and Funny Car and whatever mod would be the, the day, you know, the soup du jour, the day kind of thing. What's really interesting to us, including CKWI Radio 76, I mean, we're getting into the video end on, like, sportsman side and, and pro mod and all that stuff, because rarely do we see at the tracks um, fuelers. <laughs> And funny cars on a regular basis, so it's kind of cool now that there, with especially with being able to stream stuff, that we can bring in and other folks can bring in the video of this is what drag racing is. Take a look, and then when they see it on Fox, you know that's just a nice little cherry on top. You know, it's a very oh, nice cherry on top. Yeah, there's nothing more that we want than we want them to be on a live TV window. But for me, I look at it from the standpoint as well as my sports and racers are just as important as the, you know, the John Force or the Tony Schumachers, those folks in the world. Everyone matters in NHRA. I, and sometimes folks kind of lose sight of that, but that's where my job kind of comes in because everyone does matter at the end of the day. It doesn't matter whether you're on the, the upper end or low end of this thing. <clears throat> if you're seeing the TV, TV product, that's because of the professionals that are doing that. But the professionals wouldn't be there without our sportsman racers. Our sportsman racers wouldn't have the avenue to do what they do if they didn't have the professional racers. So 
everything works in, in harmony with that. And the fact that we're now with the, the NHRA.TV streaming that we do on a lot of these events, um, over the weekend, our final Lucas Oil race in Las Vegas was going on, and I'm texting folks that are working on the starting line in between rounds and guys in race control and just seeing what's going on. So we have so much technology yeah. that's out there that makes this so obtainable to folks and says, hey, I want to be a part of that. Hey, I, I like this. So, it, it, again, it just keeps getting better and better. This, I guess I'm, I'm overly excited already for next year, but <laughs> you kind of have to be in control, you know? Yeah, it, it is kind of funny. As you were talking about, it's it's phenomenal what a 4K camera looks like nowadays. Before, you know, even a 480 camera took up half your shoulder and another person to hold the battery and your arm was fatigued under 25 minutes. Now they can put these little 4K cameras all over the place. looks fantastic and have the robots control it. You know, I mean... Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's a, you're right. And as much as technology comes up, and we see NASCAR utilize this a lot. I mean, the funny thing is, at one time, the in-car cam was like, woohoo, and now it's like it's standard operating procedure. What else are you going to have? The cool thing is that you see a lot of NHRA uh, races is with, you know, the flying booms, the jimmy jigs and stuff that, with the cameras over the top. I mean, some of those views that they get are the fuelers, and I mean, they're, you know, right almost at the line, and the cameraman is, is looking right into the cockpit. It's like, how are you getting that shot? <laughs> and, and, and again, and like I mentioned a, a few moments ago about the talent that we have within the NHRA and that works with the Fox crew and all that working together and the knowledge. And, you know, those folks don't learn that overnight. They, there's a lot of skill and a lot of practice that's gone into yeah. getting those shots. And the more important thing is keeping themselves safe. Um, a lot of people don't realize probably the most dangerous or the safest place to be is in those cars. The most dangerous one is outside of those cars on the starting line at a, at a track. So, so my hat's off to those folks that are out there doing that day in and day out to give us the great footage, the, the great product, the great uh, content mm. that we, we can be out there to consume. Yeah, we like it, too, because it's different. You know, because they vary the shots and stuff, and, and they give you some kind of, it's just not, here's the starting line, here's, you know, 60 feet, here's top end. You know, they right. differ it so much, and I guess it makes it more exciting, especially if if all your view has ever been of drag racing is sitting in the stand. So, tip of the hat. Now, there's always that one boogaboo saying that, look, all right, is there any chance that they're going to have, like, a sportsman or pro mod or something as a Fox show as opposed to just following around the big three? Well, what it, what's interesting is they do a program probably the week after the, the national events with the Lucas Oil Series at the national events. So I believe I, the event from Vegas will actually come out probably this week. You should see something. But it will actually have all the, the, the round-by-round action with the alcohol categories, the top alcohol drags, the top alcohol funny car. They'll also have the finals of all the other sportsman categories. <clears throat> and then they'll also have the final rounds of our Summit AT Series World Championships that, as I mentioned earlier, the North Central Division brought two more championships back. So, yeah, the, the grassroots racers get their chance to be on that big platform, that big stage on, on the Fox. Sometimes it's a big Fox as well. So, you know, th- we're definitely jumping uh, through a lot of hoops to make sure we're doing the best we can to get that coverage out there the way that we want it to be for all of our competitors uh, in the NHRA. You know, Bill, what was the three biggest stories that you saw this year? <laughs> Depends on what level. Um, Any on the, the camping? Well, the camping world side was there were so many over there with different changes, uh, team owners, people deciding to retire, people coming back. 
I can think on the Lucas Oil Series, there's a lot of things. I, there, there's so much that happens as far as the big three. Um, I know within our division, we had a lot of great stuff happen. So nothing stands out. The entire season stands out to me. We, we'd be on here for hours if I went through every every scenario that was special or uh, monumental that we went through. All right, because I thought there'd be something over this year that really caught your eye. And, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be something as fantastic as somebody, you know, having a brand-new speed record, which there were a few this year. You know, I, I will say I will say if I had to go out and do one thing, it was the feat that we we as a team pulled off at Chicago. I know it probably doesn't seem like that much, but it was literally this time last year that I made a road trip to Chicago on my way home from Las Vegas. Oh, and come, yeah, a lot of people. There's a lot of things people don't know about that, and I couldn't talk about a lot of that at the time because things were just in such a fluid motion. Yeah, but the fact that we went into a track that was shut down for two years, uh, put together a plan with a team. We pulled that off and had Mother Nature not gotten away. We would have had probably one of our most successful events we've had in a long time. But the fact that we went in there with next to nothing, none of the resources you would normally have, and the, the true true grit, desire, and passion of everybody that was involved, I would say probably stands out to be one of the, the marquee things that would, that would be there on the 2022 mantle of, of top three for, for me. But I think it was for everybody else more so because none of it would have been possible if we didn't work as a team. And that right there itself uh, alone is kind of the epitome of what the NHRA is all about. You know, William, how did they go back to Chicago? Who said, you know, had a couple of Pepsis and said, you know, uh, it's been a while. Why are we not in Chicago? <laughs> you know, I don't really know. Uh, all I know is I got a message one day. It says, hey, here's a number. Somebody give them a call. I said, okay, I'll give them a call. And we started talking with some of the management up there. And, and some of the previous folks were still there, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we work with William, everything's good. And we kind of laid a plan out about what we could do. And it basically was just having a conversation kind of like we are now. And then we had a couple meetings, and it was like, can you go stop by and see how the place looks? And not realizing that the whole thing was going to hinge on my making a trip up there and on the way back from Las Vegas, of all places, driving back across the country, to say, hey, thumbs up, let's do it. And just went to work from there between the, the current owners of the facility and the staff that I had, we put it together. And that's pretty much how it happened, was just picking up the phone and having some conversations. So it, it was not a big uh, big to-do to get it going. I think just having the right plan and sitting down and being serious about it and following through with what we said we were going to do. You know, when you said they, were, they weren't open for two years, for the folks who don't know, I mean, they literally were not open, right? Correct, and that that was the first event they'd had there since the world decided to change itself or take a two-year hiatus, as I call it, where everyone went, you know, went through what what you went through. I mean, you could look at it any way you want. Sure, it was a terrible situation that that two-year span that we all lived through. Um, certainly, thoughts and prayers of people that had <clears throat> situations that change their lives for for the rest of their lives. I guess yeah. is the way of looking at it. But you know, with the track shut down, we kind of got into one of those situations of what do we do? How do we open it up? And you know, we're going back in again in 23 with a with a Camping World Series event. We weren't able to get a Lucas Oil race uh, lined out just yet. Always holding out hope things can change. But the the goal was to go in there and just let's see if we can still pull a race off. Let's see if the place can handle it. And it certainly did. And, you know, to, to have that opportunity to be blessed with the, the opportunity to be there to do what we did is definitely something that's always going to be very special to me. You know, William, what did you think when you when you pulled up to the gate? There at Chicago, were you, you know, were you, did you have anticipatory feelings or did you think, 
Well, here we go. We hope it's kind of okay. Or did you go, you know what, we're, this is going to be fantastic. I can't wait to go through those gates. I mean, what did you think you were going to see on the other side, considering that it wasn't around for two years? I, well, I had number one, I had faith in the crew that was there that I'd worked with previously. And from the conversations, and we had talked about what they did and do, and they did everything right. They, they were professional about it. They knew what they were doing. Um, when things changed and the world was shutting down, they knew what they had to do to shut it down and preserve it. Uh, there was no hard feelings about why they did it because I think everyone did what they had to do at the time to survive. And without them taking the care and time to preserve the place as well as they did, um, right there, that that was all the difference. And nobody knew that, but that was them being professional and doing a great job and being what they were at the time, which was one of our top-notch facilities. And I still consider it a top-notch facility. Yeah, but the rolling through the gates, I didn't have a doubt in my mind. My, my concern was what is it going to take to get it back up to the level we needed? And surprisingly, it didn't take as much as a lot of folks would think. Um, you know, one would think it'd take months and months short of just cleaning up and making the place look pretty. A lot of the mechanics of the place was in great shape. Timing system was in great shape. Surface was, it was decent. And we pretty much put together a track that I was pretty proud of at the end of the day uh, with the folks and the equipment that we had to work with. We didn't have the full, uh, full gala of equipment from a, a Camping World Series event. We had the old school equipment. Did you see at your local track on the weekends, and that's how we pulled it off. You know, it's it's amazing, only because, especially living in the Midwest, we know what just our freeways look like in two years. Yep. <laughs> Let alone yeah. being something abandoned for two years in Chicago. Yeah, we had a couple areas that we had to address, and those were taken care of. Com- compared to what we deal with on other facilities that are used on a regular basis, these were nowhere near on that level of, of concern. It was just a matter of, okay, let's get it fixed. Weather breaks. This is what we're doing and put a plan together. Uh, it just, we, we had such a great group of folks involved on the, the resurrection, as we called it at the time, <laughs> that you, you couldn't ask for a better situation. You, you ever have where all the cards are falling in place and everything's just falling the way you need it to fall? That's what we had. Um, they could have went a lot of other ways, but. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I use the term that I'm blessed to do what I, I do, and we were very blessed to have the opportunity and things were as good as they were up there. So my hat's off to those folks. You know, to the, the folks, William, that are listening to us around the world right now in the 74 countries that CK is in, tell them the difference between what, and I, I know it's going to come up on, on Hotline, so we, I'm, going to, I'm going to help you folks out. We're going to have William tell you exactly what the difference between a camping world race and a Lucas Oil is. Uh, Camping World is your stuff you see on, like, the Fox broadcasts with our professional categories from the Top Fuel, Funny Car, Pro Stock, Pro Stock Motorcycle. Those are all considered our premier Camping World Series uh, national categories, professional categories. Our Lucas Oil Series is kind of like the, I don't call them the amateurs. It's just a different series of racing with different classes featuring your top alcohol drags, your top alcohol funny car, and then some other sportsman categories from top dragster, top sportsmanster, fast bracket cars is what it really comes down to. Running 610 and a quarter mile, well over 220, 230 miles an hour bracket racing, all the way down to your super categories, which are like your dot 90s, as we call them, the 1090, uh, 990, 890 for super street, super gas, super comp. Then, of course, you tried and true stock, super stock categories of the old school, uh, new school muscle cars. Uh, conventional rear-wheel drive, sometimes front-wheel drive cars. So we got a little bit of everything for you. So that's that's the big difference. And, and to call the the Lucas Oil Series competitors sportsman racers, I, I kind of get in the middle of that and say they're just as dedicated, if not more so, than the professionals. Um, the professionals have X amount of weekends they're going to run. 
these sportsman folks, as they call them, or the Lucas Oil Series competitors, whatever terminology you want to have, they will go find races every weekend. That is what they do. Whether it's a bracket race, you know, a hundred grand to win a big money deal, going to a, a quick eight shootout, a stock super stock combo race, doesn't matter. They are diehards and are completely immersed in this sport of racing. So it, it's a couple different ways of looking at it. But it's just another form. The, the Lucas Oil Series helps support the Camping World Series as far as the events. Um, you know, during the, the pandemic, we had events that were uh, Lucas Oil Series only or Camping World Series only, and they were definitely good events, but the, the two need to coexist together to have the, the great Camping World Series events that we have all across the country. Yeah, you know, you hit it right on the head because it is funny. It, and you see the folks in the big three, and again, I'll help the folks out in Budapest just a little bit, and that some of these teams have really, you know, they fly folks in, and, you know, they have these big, big stackers, you know, the big trailers and all that stuff, and they have machine shops in there, and they do. I mean, they're the, the pinnacle of the speed and everything that goes on. These are million-dollar teams. But, boy, William, boy, did you hit it right on the head. Where sportsmen, folks, and... It, I don't know if anybody takes offense being, you know, sportsman. It's we understand that it's a fine catch-all, uh, and you're right, of 200 mile per hour sportsman. You know, it's not like uh, everybody's driving the minivan in, in sportsman, but it's these guys will go from place to place to place. I mean, they'll fill up and, and they'll drive around their motor homes and, and whatever they have, you know, to track, to track, to track, to track, to see who's got. What payout? Who's got what points race? Who's got what, what, what? Just because they are that dedicated. I mean, incredibly yeah. dedicated. Yeah, and that's what it is. We had uh, at, at our final Lucas Oil Series event in St. Louis was a doubleheader, and it was the doubleheader of all events. We had over 773 entries, um, well over 700 cars <clears throat> in, in round one of the first race, and we had a second race. So to say that people aren't dedicated to what we do, uh, it was a perfect storm, perfect event for us to have something like that, and we were grateful for it. Yeah. But these folks, they are immersed in it. This is their lives. And, you know, some folks spend all the time at the golf course. They spend it at the, at the campgrounds, whatever the case is. We are a unique breed of people, as I like to say, but they are some of the best people in the world that will do anything for one another. And that's what makes the, the NHRA what it is. That's what makes these different series is what they are because, the professional side is just as dedicated as the folks on the Lucas Oil side, as the Summit Series, as your local test and tuner. Everyone has some level of dedication to that. And, again, it goes back to what it's all about for these folks. And that's the same passion that kind of drives me for what I do, knowing folks are putting out so much to come be a part of this, that it, it provides for me. It provides a way of life, a way of living, everything, and does so much for so many other people the least we can do is show that same level, if not more, back to them, to the events, to what we do, and how we, we conduct ourselves for the NHRA. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It does kind of, track racing is a unique sport all by itself. Not only, you're right, there is folks that will, if, you know, you need some valves or something and your competitor has some, sometimes, normally, they will say, here you go, you know, get back to us later uh, on this. It's, it's a unique Go ahead. I was going to say, I've had a guy in, in a final round before. He refused to run. The other guy was broke, and he wasn't coming up, and he was trying to fix me. He goes, I refuse to go down the track. You're going to DQ me before I went on a broke run. And I'm like, are you kidding? No. He goes, I won't go down the track. If he's working on that car, we'll wait. And I said, hey, we're out of time. We've got to go. And luckily, the, his competitor came up. They were able to, to run the race. He ended up still winning. 
But the fact that he was not going to go down the track and wasn't going to take a win without racing somebody, that should tell you about what these folks are about. It's not about winning the money. It's about the competition. It's about the pride and respect for one another. See, and that's kind of even in the sportsman side because it's a little bit more weighted. You know, here's guys that are working 9 to 5. You know, they're borrowing their their brother-in-law's wood trailer, you know, put the Torino up on it. You know, spend a thousand dollars on the engine, and, or just to get there. And if you go and you win all the way on that Saturday night, you might win to fifty or five hundred bucks. You know, you want to see dedication? That's dedication. Yeah. You don't see that in golf. Well, and that's not to take away any any of the other sports or what folks do to enjoy themselves or hobbies that are out there. But I don't think you're going to find any more passion with True. a drag racing family. Let's say that than what you find on a regular basis. Every and, and that's the cool thing about what we do. There's something for everybody across the spectrum of this. If you've got millions of dollars and you want to light it on fire and come race professionally and burn nitro for a living, awesome. We've got stuff for you. I can give you some phone numbers. We can hook you right up. <laughs> if you want to come out if you want to come out and run your, your minivan or your daily driver or whatever the case may be, great. We've got that for you too. So for something that can cover you on all ends of that, from both ends of it and everything in between, you can't ask for a better deal, which goes back to why there's so much positiveness with what the NHRA does and what we're about. So, again, it's a sport for all ages, and you've got the young, the old, the middle. You've got people like me in the 40s that are just still enthralled that we're able to do this and enjoy it. So, you know, it's a tip of the cap to what we're all about. And folks like you and your broadcast that put out the time and effort to cover what we do. We would be nothing without you as well. So it's everything as an ecosystem at the end of the day. Yeah, it is kind of weird how all the chain all gets together and makes one big loop. Now, here's some loops coming off the hotline. And the email, if you got anything for William, be sure to write down at uh, hotline at ckw76.com. We'll uh, ask William the question. <laughs> Here is one. And I'll paraphrase it because you were talking about going from Las Vegas to Chicago and stuff. It says, does William not like to fly? Well, actually, I flew out to Vegas this year. So, yeah, I will fly. (laughs) But, um, you know, it was kind of one of those deals where, again, this time last year, the world was still kind of being the way it was. And I was kind of needing a break from everything here locally. And I said, you know what, I'm going to drive. I drove the last two years. This is the first year, actually, I flew to Vegas. I'm pretty sure it'll be the the same thing moving forward whenever I go back out. Um, I don't mind flying. I'm not a flying fan. In, in a previous career path, I pretty much flew all over the world all the time. Right. But I think I've got enough miles in flying that I'm good with driving. And if I need to pull over and take a break, I can. But for logistics, yeah, I'm I'm good with flying. So so yeah, I'll, I'll drive when I need to. But the flying probably going to be the preferred means for for getting back and forth on the longer trips. Now, here's one thing. Here's a tip. If you're looking to find William Farb, NHRA Division Three director, do not, do not go to a Wendy's or a McDonald's. <laughs> you will not find him there. This is true. I'm, I'm usually somewhere, usually at a grocery store trying to find something healthy that I can pack into the cooler if I'm driving across the country, whatever the case is. I'm just trying to, trying to be healthy. I want to stick around for a while to tell folks. You know, as much as you drive, I mean, what is your healthy snack when you're just, like, tooting around on the freeway going from this city, this state, to that state? I mean, what do you normally pack? Um, a couple of packs of Orbit gum. Every time you're hungry, you got the munchies, just chewing some chewing gum. That's one of the tricks that I found. Um, 
I mean, it just depends. You know, you try to define stuff that's good and healthy. Uh, anything low fat, low sugar, no sugar, stuff like that will just lead to, you know, having something. But making good choices, try to watch your calorie intake, knowing that if you're not going to be exercising other than just driving all the time, it's probably not a good day to, you know, pack on a 2,000 calorie breakfast as you set out across the country. It's probably not the best thing for, <laughs> for you. So. Yeah, okay. I hate to, hate to hate to use the line, but common sense applies very well to this situation of that. So you know, it's so now that way of looking at you have all these people that are driving long distances, are putting away their Mountain Dews and Twizzlers right now. Well, and the <laughs> other thing too is like I'm a big zero drinker. Like if it's a Pepsi Zero, Coke Zero, whatever Zero, Zero Sugar, I'll probably glow in the dark when I'm 75 <laughs> because of all the additives and preservatives. But I mean, you kind of go that direction, um, but you know, I'm a big I'm a big sparkling ice fan too. So, not trying to be a shameless plug on that one, but I'll usually have a couple couple bottles of that in the cooler, and, you know, just make the, make the best of it. Job well done, talk about job well done. Have you? Did you get a chance to come up to the Great Lakes State this year? I did not, and that I'm working my way up there schedule-wise. I hope I get up that neck of the woods for next year. Definitely know the guys and gals at Milan have been crushing it this year. Um, yeah. It's been a great program up there. Um, the other tracks up there on the other side of the equation, as far as sanctioning-wise, I know they've been having great seasons up there. So certainly a hotbed up in that, that neck of the area uh, of my division that I need to get up there and be a little more friendly with. Yeah, because we thought that would be a natural, especially with Milan opening. And you're right, for the first year that they were open – and trying to, you know, not feel their way around, but they're, you know, learning some of the stuff as they went along. I mean, they pulled it off. They did a hell yeah, of a and job. That's what, yeah, and that's what I've told them all along. You know, Perry and Harold and Pam and all the staff up there have done a great job, and we've had some conversations about where things are going to lead down the road. Uh, but for them to be a NHRA-sanctioned track, kick the doors back open, say, hey, we're here, we'll put some money in the place, they have done a, a superb job with that up there, and I'm looking forward to working with them in the future on some stuff that we're, we're potentially working towards. So uh, it's great to have a track like that in, in the North Central Division, but it's even I'm even more proud of the fact that they're not afraid to take on the challenge. We yeah. keep hearing about tracks that close down or tracks that are shutting down or this or that, and they jumped in with both feet, and they're not afraid to, to go after it, and they're being aggressive, and I commend them for it, and I'm, I'm grateful for them up there and what they're doing. You know, William, how's that looking? I know that there's some, you know, famous stories of famous tracks going bye-bye, but what's it looking like for NHRA on the other end of the spectrum? I mean, do we got stuff opening up in 2023? We holding our own? How's that looking? We're kind of holding our own for right now. I think when a few tracks have shut down or some decisions are made to to transition into other opportunities with the property that the tracks are on, it's kind of scary, but it also makes us kind of reinvest and and <clears throat> change our mindset with the facilities that we have. What can we do to make them better? What can we do to make the experiences better? Do we need to go back and do multiple events there? So all of that stuff's on the table. I don't see a lot of big mega tracks getting built anymore, but, you know, who knows? They could make a full out of me after PRI next month, and two big tracks are getting built. But I think it's going to cause us to maybe take a little more interest in the, the tracks that we currently have to try to sustain them, to make sure that they've got the support, uh, whether it's just showing up there or when it's, comes to a legal fight with the community saying, Ugh. hey, we're tired of this, whatever the case is. So I think that we're not losing ground, but we're certainly not gaining any ground. So the best we can do is hold our own and support whatever track's out there. And, and that goes for whether you're on one side of the sanction or you're on the other side. Um, there's some other groups out there doing what they're doing. And I've always said it before, doesn't matter. As long as it's drag racing, go support it. 
because it's your local track, it's your local this, local that. Because if it goes away, what are you going to do? Agreed. So the, the growth, the, the growth and stuff is going to be there in time. But I think just having the the tracks open regardless is, is going to be key to, to sustaining what we have right now. We just want to have, and whether it be NHRA or whoever around tracks, whatever tracks, to erect a twenty-four foot sign that says, "This track's been here before your condo was built." You know. <laughs> I, I have I have honestly sat in those kind of meetings before, and I fully understand where a landowner comes from, but it's kind of like the world we live in now. It's like we got to respect one another, and, and I think somehow we've lost touch of that sometimes. Mm. And yeah, we've been there for so long, but like I've told a few track operators from the division standpoint that are running into those issues, it's like, well, what are you doing to try to help? Well, nothing. I'm like, well, maybe you should try to think of a few ways to help. But then the same token goes back to the group that's got the issues with what you're doing. You right. know, is, is it a valid concern? So try to meet in the middle on that compromise. You, you know, you can't be right all the time, and you can't be wrong all the time. So th- that's the one thing that I can say I've, I've been through. I've lived through it. My track that I used to operate back in Ohio that I was a part of, I mean, they, they are still to this day have to deal with stuff from back when I was there. And nothing's changed, but it's certainly got not got any worse. So I think at the end of the day, having – having that environment to understand what happens with them. That's what it's all about. Yeah, because we find it interesting that it's like you didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, and and it's, it's, amazing, it's amazing to watch. Like here, here in Indianapolis, where I'm out here outside of Brownsburg, we keep seeing the warehouses get built. We kind of just like pat each other on the back. Okay, we dodged a bullet there. Because really the warehouses aren't going to complain about a drag strip. Now, if they're putting in the, the next subdivision with the half-million-dollar homes, that's a problem. Nothing against that. I'm all for people building and having nice homes. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, at least with the warehousing side, we've got a little bit of a buffer zone to, to kind of keep some of these tracks in, at where they're at now. So, yeah, the, like you said, though, the big sign that goes up says, hey, you realize what y'all are buying a house next to? <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm just going to tell you how this is going to go. And most people are pretty cool about it. But, again, just being good good stewards of it and then being engaged in the community and doing good stuff. And that that's something that I would always tell folks to do, no matter whether it's good or bad. You know, if there's something positive you can do, especially this time of year with different charities and opportunities to do community outreaches with tracks, and that's for anybody listening across the world right now. If you can do something to help the community that may, may be against what you're doing at the end of the day and you can do a goodwill gesture, let alone during the holidays, to help other people, Honestly, that's what the world's all about. We need a lot more of that. And, you know, to go back to the great people in racing in the drag racing world, I mean, that's what it's all about. We've got to help each other and be understanding with it. But sometimes you just got to fight fire with fire, too. So Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff was like, look, give them free tickets. You know, I mean, if they border, have them come on in, demystify this drag racing thing. Yes, it's loud, but why is it loud? It's because, look at this top fueler. It's because, look at this... You know, Godzilla engine Mustang. This is the fun. And think, well, and think about it this way, and how, and I've seen this happen before, where you can actually say, "Look, here's the tax revenue that's generated by these folks being in your community." Yeah. And I don't care who who you are. The world runs on cubic dollars. I mean, I, last time I checked, cubic dollars is going to always win, one way or the other. And all joking aside with it is, when you start saying the impact and the positive for your community, for your schools, for your police and fire, for everything that's going to see the benefit from some of these events that roll into town, why not be a little more understanding? You know, maybe you do need to shut off at midnight because honestly, racing up to midnight, it's not for everybody. Uh, maybe you don't need to start cars till seven in the morning, whatever the case is. Uh, depending if you've got, you know, I've had situations where I've got tracks that are close to churches on Sundays. 
we won't start a car till a certain time just out of respect for their early mass or early services. Use some common sense to this stuff. We still do to this day. I've got a track that we, we've got to deal with the local church, and they've got an early service they do. And everyone knows when we're in town that they're going to go to early service, and they'll still do another service after we get going. But it's the fact that we were respectful to them to say, what can we do to, to work something out? And that was the deal. And we still stick to it to this day. It's not anything on paper. It's a handshake agreement. And that respect right there is what keeps us in these communities and keeps tracks open. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to have Tesla night for three nights in a row or anything. You know, I mean, and that's one of the things that we're we're looking at this, too. We got some other questions coming in. Uh, NHRA doing anything for junior dragsters? Uh, On what level? I mean, we've got a little bit of everything going on with the juniors. The, the program's alive and well. I think it's, it's gone through a couple of generations and it's getting ready to go through another another round. I don't want to call it changes, but the next generation of juniors coming through. And I think with that program growing, there's a lot of opportunity uh, to get families involved. I think some of the price points are coming down on a few things within reason. So the, the junior dragster programs are well and live. Uh, it, you know, folks that were concerned it was going to go away or be a flash in the pan. Again, it's a way of life for some of these families to travel across the country. It's almost amazing what we're seeing is a big outbreak, and they just had like a, a national event up here at Lapeer. I mean, these these have you seen these? Obviously, you haven't. These go go power wheels, these little plastic Barbie electric cars. <laughs> maybe it's, oh yeah yeah I've seen the, the power wheel stuff yeah yeah maybe it's a Midwest <laughs> thing or something. But my God, it was at, at first it was a cute little curiosity, and and look at the fine you know five six year old rolling on down but these kids these families i mean they were running for a thousand dollars cash you know at the point national up here ohio's getting involved michigan's getting involved i mean this is supposed to be now the as junior was supposed to be the entry into drag racing now evidently this power wheel thing is you know entry into junior and they found yet another generation to kind of start it's it's unique yeah, the one concern I have is a lot of safety issues with the power wheel side of things and then the age of some of those children that are involved with it. That's why I would always kind of steer towards the junior dragster program uh, with what we do. I know it's intimidating a lot of folks, but at the end of the day, your son or daughter is going to be safe in the cars. The, the power wheel thing is nothing against them. Um, not really going to get in the rabbit hole what they're all about, but let's just kind of put some, some logic behind what we're doing. You know, it's great we're doing that kind of stuff. It's great we've got programs, but we also need to kind of think common sense-wise, too, about putting some of these these kids out there and doing that. But I I still think there's a a meet in the middle with that, whether we can work with them at some point. Um, But, again, they're getting immersed in the culture. They're seeing it. And um, I don't want to say I'm in the middle on everything, but it's kind of one of those uh, areas that, yeah, we need to pay attention to it. There's stuff that's going on that's really good. How How can we foster more growth? Okay, with a few minutes that we got left, William, uh, you're going to be at PRI this year, I assume? Yeah, I'll actually be there, I believe, one day. I'll only be able to be on, on the ground Thursday. We've actually got our, believe it or not, our banquets and track operator meetings coming back. So <clears throat> as we start to get the world back up to speed, uh, something we've been working towards for the last couple of years, uh, we'll, we'll have an opportunity, though, for myself to be there Thursday. Uh, should be floating around uh, the NHRA booth as well. We should have a great display set up. I know they're working on getting things kind of transferred from the SEMA show all the way over here for, for, for PRI coming up next month. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'll be around. Hopefully people don't know who I am, but if they do, come up and uh, holler at me, say, hey, <laughs> I got some questions. I'm always open to answer them the best I can. All right. So now what we should do is uh, looking forward to 2023 
and all the track and all the excitement's going on, we should probably say something about, besides Camping World uh, and Lucas Oil, any other uh, sponsors that we should tip our hat to? Well, I got to say one of the big ones as far as us on the national level is the Summit, uh, Summit Racing with the Summit T-Series. <clears throat> That's the grassroots bracket racing, you know, the 9-to-5 blue-collar folks that uh, – where I got my start in all this, and to be honest with you, and that's to go down a whole other rabbit hole stories that I like to call it. But without Summit and the support of the, what they do for our, for our ET racing series, that right there is huge. Um, between Lucas Oil Summit, of course, Camping World, and then all of our other associate sponsors and partners and stuff like that, they do so much for us on so many levels. I don't think folks will ever realize. Um, but but those are definitely folks that that have a spot in what we do. And then also, I can't forget about Jags. Uh, Jegs is huge in our North Central Division for our Super Quick Series. They do a lot of good things that a lot of folks don't always see or realize are there, but they also have the Jegs All-Star Program. So we've got some great partners across the board that, that make all of this possible. It's amazing, isn't it? All right, so we are going to see you there on Thursday, because we're doing the Thursday, Friday. For the very first time, they said you got to go Thursday. you got to go for the breakfast. And then, <laughs> okay. And then, and then Friday, I mean, have you noticed of all the times you've been at PRI, is there a difference in days? I mean, obviously there are, but I mean. Oh, well, I, 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 to me, I think Thursday's a, a good day. There's not a lot of folks there. If you're there on Thursday, you've taken off work or you've closed up shop to come do business. You're, you're there to meet people, make those connections. A lot of folks can get in there on Friday just because of schedule. And then Saturday, of course, is everybody that just can't get off, you know, Thursday or Friday. So nothing against anyone that goes in there. Uh, Thursday's definitely a little more subdued, it's a little quieter, but also realize people do a lot of connecting and there's a lot of after hours stuff that goes on. So as you go to Friday and Saturday, you just start using a little, little, uh, logic on where you're going with it. If folks get a little tired and wore out, but I think overall <laughs> for the show, it's, it's always a great, it's always a great show for everyone to be at. It's a good time to connect with folks. And, and I'll give this bit of advice to folks. If you're planning on going there and sealing a deal or, or getting something huge done, don't. If you want to go there and meet folks and get connections, that's what you need to focus on. Um, you, you know, I don't want to dispel folks that have the huge dreams of going there and, and crushing it, as they would say. But going there with realistic opposite, realistic expectations, make those connections, meet those folks. Um, give other time for folks to actually make those connections as well, because it's great you sit there and talk with somebody for 30 minutes. Well, they may have had 10 more people that could have gotten there, at least, you know, got a little bit of information. So. Don't don't consume someone's time for you know over over uh, a certain amount of time, so to speak. I guess would be a little bit of advice for it. So, in other words, if you're going to go see William Tharp, you make sure you look at your watch, and when it says three minutes are up, go away. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no. Well, I, I guess to explain myself better on that one on a Thursday, you're going to have a little bit of a slower day, so you can have that conversation with somebody. Um, but but look at it from that standpoint as well, where folks are trying to make and, and meet and, and really get out there and get their word out about products certainly want to spend that time with all the customers. That doesn't mean I won't stand there for an hour and talk to somebody. I, I stood in a booth last year uh, with a company that we work with for over an hour and a half, and literally we had a, probably one of the best discussions I've had in a long time. But I guess my point on that one is going to folks if, if someone thinks they're going to land something, my and this is strictly all <laughs> opinion based on it, it's not always going to happen there. Um, you know, you may not always – you know, hit the home run, but if you at least get a chance to bat, that's what that's what it comes down to, and that's a chance for a lot of folks. So, more of the better things a PRI comes out of those general like conversations for five or ten minutes, meeting somebody, and then um, you follow up post PRI. That's where that's, that's my little bit of information on making those connections for PRI to make it the best experience for everybody. 
Yeah, it's almost a GTC event. Grab them cards. You know, thank yeah, you, and we'll I, call you that's later. That's really what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. And you got to make those connections. And, um, you know, again, I could be completely wrong on it. I'm looking at it from my standpoint and what I do and what I go in there with my goals for whether it's representing NHRA or the North Central Division or what we are trying to accomplish. But at the end of the day, it's a chance for, for our customers to see us. So I completely flip the script. And if that means someone comes up to me and has a question about whatever the case may be about NHRA, you have my undivided attention because if you sought me out to answer a question or you've got questions, that's what I'm there for. That's what my job is. So, you know, I, I take that very serious with folks, just like when we've reached out, had our conversations, you know, it, yeah. there's, there's a time and place for it. And like I tell folks, the, the phone that I have is on 24 seven. I may be on a treadmill at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> someone texts me something <laughs> and I'll answer partially just to see if they'll, they'll go, wow, he answered. He's really that crazy. Or it may be 11 o'clock at night after a race, and I'm down in the fitness center at a hotel, you know, busting off some miles on the treadmill there doing my deal. It, it, again, it, <clears throat> for me, it's taking the job serious. It's, it's being immersed in something I'm absolutely, truly blessed to be a part of every day. And I, I think it comes through, but if it doesn't, maybe I need to work on it a little bit. Oh, it comes through, William. It, it comes through. I mean, it, it's phenomenal to us that you get more than four hours of sleep a day. <laughs> with your schedule, you know, I'm, I'm going. I'm going for four or five. You know, <laughs> the time change thing screwed with me something fierce. So I've been trying to figure that one out. And yeah, just trying to. The, the biggest thing for for me is trying to separate the racing life and having a real life. And you know, real life is fun, but racing life is what it's about for me at the end of the day. So, well, especially people here in the Midwest and in, in Michigan and stuff, they think, well, you know, William's got to have it easy now because everybody's, you know, shut down for the weekend or for the season and stuff. It's like, no, no, this is when it increases. To, to give you an idea, I've got 23 pretty much planned out and done. I'm actually on 2024. So if that tells you how forward thinking you have to be, and I'm looking at 24, 25 to see how things will net out and see what changes I want to start making or goals I want to see with events or, you know, strategically planning things out. I mean, you, you have to stay that aggressive in this business because if you don't, you'll get so far behind, you can never get caught up. And I do not want to be that guy. So, you know what, William, we're going to go squeeze this one in real fast. Any new, um, divisions coming up for 2023 in NHRA? Nothing I can really speak on right now. <clears throat> I think there's there's a few things that are going to start seeing the track. Finally, that factory X category is going to be coming out. I think we're going to see some cars hit the track. Um, a little bit of a bottleneck with supply chain, but nothing too major. I think you're just going to see the level of competition raise even more so. I, I think the the fact that people are realizing what the NHRA is all about is going to be the big story moving forward for 23. Amazing. William Tharp, NHRA Division Three Director. Hoorah! And if you're going to see him at PRI, you got three minutes with him. So <laughs> bring him something healthy. Do not bring him a whopper, you know, and you'll be his pal. <laughs> Thanks, William, for being with us. I, I can't, you know, thank you enough. So we'll see you um, on Thursday because we're going to do the Thursday-Friday thing. So like we said, so we'll, we'll catch up there, sir. Thanks. Right, John, appreciate the time, sir. Thanks, William. Bye now. Yeah, bye. An amazing guy, isn't he? I mean, it's, you, <laughs> what you hear there is exactly where, where William goes. I mean, it's nonstop an ambassador of NHRA, obviously, but, I mean, ambassador of drag racing. I like the fact that sometimes, you know, when you get the, uh, the William Thorpe hat 
and not the NHRA hat. And I like the both of them together, but it's kind of cool when when William talks, you know, like he was talking about about PRI and stuff and giving you advice if you're going to go there. And, it, you know, it makes good sense. But interesting what's going on with the NHRA and more interesting what's going on at Chicagoland. Oh, kitties. We ain't done with William yet. <laughs> stay tuned. Talking about stay tuned, we got to get out of here because the Detroit Sports Authority is coming up here. Eh, right down the hallway is Studio B. Um, and they're coming up live at 7 o'clock. If you love Detroit sports as much as they do, you'll love the Detroit Sports Authorities. Again, coming up here live at 7 p.m. Whew.